Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Training Make Podcast. I'm joined by Max. Max, how are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Well, you guys, I don't know how the, <laughs> the guys are doing, but I can tell you I'm doing fine. I'm good, doing good. Uh, let's, let's jump right into it. Today, I want to talk about um, winning and, and like what it means to be elite and, and really like the 0.0001% of athletes that like are in pursuit of like utter dominance because I find it fascinating. And the reason I'm thinking about this all the time is because of the, the last dance documentary uh, on ESPN. I highly suggest watching it. There's really no other sporting content going on right now. Yeah. So, so you, you got to watch it. But in this episode, number seven, they talk about Jordan and it's kind of that, that like uh like Steve Jobs factor, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the 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 no one will love, no one likes being around you. No one even really likes you at all. But you're winning <laughs> and you're and you're executing, you know? Yeah. So, um, but there's this one part at the. It's basically the end of the episode, and I shared it on my Instagram because I'm I'm fascinated by this. I don't know about you, man. Um, just like the even though it doesn't apply to, to the masses, I think it's cool to talk about. So I'm yeah. going to play this clip. We found out how to screen share it. If you want to watch it, just go to the uh, Training Make Podcast Training Make Podcast on YouTube. Uh, but here is the clip, and it's on my Instagram. And a tyrant. Oh, well, that's you. Because you never wanted anything. I wanted to win, but I wanted them to win and be a part of that as well. Pretty incredible stuff. Yeah, that's super powerful. It's crazy when you when you you know this this is kind of a common thing amongst that level of athlete or really anyone in that level of success. You see a lot of these like it's it's an all or nothing. You know, you can serve only one master, and and that master is winning. Um, you know, when when obviously in that clip you see him talking about. You know, I mean, we, like you, like you highlighted the losing his composure when he's talking about winning, that it means that much to him. You kind of have to be, I mean, you have to be in that place where the only thing that matters in your life, the only thing that matters is winning. The only thing that is, is important the only thing on your mind is winning. You see so many people like that are successful to have that, you know, Schwarzenegger had that, you know, his father died. He didn't even go to the funeral because he was training for the competition. Um, and that was like a big controversial thing, right? Um, Ivan Abadreyev told me one time that, you know, success is the loneliest place in the world, but it's the only way to live. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of haunting. Like it, it gives, it's, it's like, this is, I often think about this because it's like, are humans, like, this is not a human thing. This is not, this is not a human thing because, you know, otherwise more people would be, would be doing it or acting like this and society would not be able to sustain itself. I think, I think it's a human thing. I think it's just a, a rare quality. In fact, if anything, it's, it's like one of those driving factors probably in evolution that, that, you know, to some degree, everybody has a little bit of that ability to hyper-focus on the outcome on, on, you know, the objective without that, you know, I mean, I mean, you know, people, people, the, the unique thing about humans is their ability to persist. Right. And so that, that kind of mentality, that extreme example of it here, where, you know, that's the most important thing in your existence is, is winning or, you know, in evolution, you know, going back, I mean, who knows, like, you know, chasing down a deer, you know, across hundreds of miles or whatever to, to just, you know, run it to death is, is that's the same kind of thing. It's like a, it's, it's wired into us. Some people I think are just not, not okay, not comfortable or fine with not tapping into that to the level that these people do. Well, so if you think about it, it'd be management of your own resources, like management of your emotional, your physical, your physiological resources. If you spend it focusing on just winning, Mm -hmm. it's likely that you'll sever or, or you'll ruin the other aspects of your life. Yeah. Well, it's like, yeah, you've got to feed it, right? You've got to feed that everything that goes into the idea, everything that goes into winning all the training, all of the, the you know, physical time and energy spent is coming from somewhere. You've only got, everybody only has 100% of the time in a day, right? And they only have 100% of their energy and resources. You know, some of that has to go towards preserving relationships and, and spending time with family and friends. And, but if you dump all of that into one thing, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. It's almost like, not not the same, but it kind of parallels the idea of like an addiction. It's like your entire your entire being, and I mean, you see people strung out. I mean, out here, you see people strung out all the time, and and the only desire from morning to night is is you know, this is the same thing as pursuit of something. I want to actually, you know, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna look up this clip, um, Dave Grohl, mm. talking about Kurt. Because um, uh, Kurt Cobain, because uh, it and it was really interesting. Because this is um, let me see here. I'm gonna share. Can you hear? I can hear you fine. Yeah. Can no, but can you hear when I play this clip here? Okay, I gotta share. No, because because this is um, this this fits this perfectly, and I love that we can do this. Yeah. Um. Okay, here we go. So now you're seeing this. Uh, so it's so this is Dave Grohl, and he's on um, on Howard Stern. Howard Stern, and you know, on every one of these, Dave Grohl is consistently asked about Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain passed away. Uh, he's the lead singer and pretty much the cornerstone. Uh, and he's you know, without Kurt Cobain, Nirvana cannot exist, right? Mm-hmm. 
And Dave Grohl actually talks about Kurt and his drug use. Successful bands, Nirvana and Foo Fighters. Yeah. It's a miracle. You know that. Yeah. It's a very projects right now so when they come back to this it's the food fighters and then uh, but you start to drift one. yeah i just you know i who mean tell, it's just, who tells you your lead singer's gone i mean who, how do you find that out i think maybe it was on the news or something weird i don't know i don't remember like you, exactly the news like the you news. didn't get a call people are calling this and no. because you were there comforting one another yep listen i'd turn on the radio and i'd hear like um, was it all good with Kurt? I mean, were you were you on things good terms? got weird towards the end. So did that make you feel even weirder about his death? Were you sort of estranged? Uh, yeah. I mean, everybody sort of was. I think at that point, it, it had sort of split off, and it just got really weird. It was, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, I don't know if anybody really does, but it had gotten to the point where um, he wasn't talking to you. Well, there was just you know, I don't I don't do drugs. Right. I haven't done drugs since I was a kid. Right. Twenty years old, I think, is when I stopped, and so. You know, there were drugs around, and there was, like, the people who did the drugs, and then there were people that didn't do the drugs. And I didn't do the drugs, and so I was just out of that world, you know? And if you're in it, you're in it. If you're not, you're out. So, so I want to talk about that part because that kind of stuck with me, and you were, you were talking about an addiction, right? And in that sense, um, these guys, they were best friends. It was only three of them, right? So maybe they... They weren't like best friends by the classic definition, but it was just the three of them in this band. And, and for all we knew, things were going pretty well. And then Kurt starts his addiction. But what it was interesting was like, the, uh, Kurt would do the drugs and he'd be in that group. And then, you know, everyone else would do that. And what's, it's not like the drug users and the non-drug users were hanging out. And I think that that's really important to understand. So, so the heroin culture or around, at least around Nirvana, it's not a social thing. It's you do the drugs. This is your life. Heroin is your life. You don't just casually go to parties and kind of have this social mixing where there's a chance for that with alcohol. There's a chance for that with maybe cocaine and other party drugs. So there's this very much like what you were saying and what I'm trying to draw a parallel to is the ultimate addiction to this is your only purpose in life, mm -hmm. right? That chemical addiction. And I like that parallel, like to a certain extent, I think Michael is breaking down and crying because he realizes that that addiction to winning was so strong that it, it just brings out all of these emotions. I mean, I can't, I can't think of any other reason why, you know? Yeah. You know, it's a, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you gotta, everybody is, everybody, I think my personal belief is that they, you know, the person you are from age zero to 10 and the person you are from 10 to 20 and 20 to 30 and so on, that's a different person. And you can look back on your life and, and see what you've done and see what you've, you've been and see what you, you know, regrets or whatever you have, um, or, or, you know, accomplishments. And so, you know, it's, it's impossible to know what he's thinking when he's saying these things, but, you know, as, as someone ages, as someone gets older, they may see decisions they made differently, you know, and their, their perspective changes. Um, I'm not saying he's like upset about what he did, but, you know, he might realize like, Hey, you know, like 
to just talking to someone like a former addict, if you're going to parallel those, they may look back on their life and, and see who they were at that time as a traumatic thing. You know, they're, they're not going to look back on it with fondness. You know, it's, it's not necessarily that the pursuit of those things, the pursuit of winning at that extreme or the pursuit of anything at that extreme is something that leaves you the rest of your life feeling great about yourself. Right. Yeah. It, I mean, it's it, very possible that he's a sh- maybe not ashamed, but feels guilt around the way he was. Doesn't mean he doesn't, it, it doesn't mean that you take away from what you've accomplished or that those things are necessarily bad, but you know, it's, it's like, it's difficult to, it's difficult probably to, to look back and think to yourself, man, that's, that's who I was. That's what I did to people around me, to everything around me, you know, you know, good example, right? Like imagine you skip your father's funeral because you're training for, you know, obviously not, <laughs> not like the AO3 or something, but like, you know, like you're training for you know, Mr. Olympia or whatever. Uh, 40 years later, you might look back on that in a different perspective. Yep. Right. You may yeah. not have the same because you've grown, because you've changed, because you're a different person than you were. So it's, what do you tough, think it, it's tough to think like that. What do you think it'd be like if you didn't, for some reason, didn't know who Michael Jordan was and Michael Jordan moves to some like remote island and you live there right near his next door neighbor and he's 60 years old and you just become best friends with him. 60 to 75 to 80, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and then you f- go to find out, you know, all everything about him and, and who he was and, and how important he was to, to sports. How weird would that be? I mean, you, I'm trying to think like conceptually about how people are different from decade to decade, you know, and that's kind of an arbitrary number. But wouldn't it, that's an interesting concept. I mean, what type of person is Michael Jordan now? I bet you he wouldn't, he couldn't fathom giving a shit about winning like he used to. And maybe he does. Maybe. Yeah. It's, it's maybe he still does. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, like, you know, you go that long in your life like that, you probably aren't going to be that much different, you know? And maybe it's a, you know, uh, have you ever watched any of the like Mike Tyson podcast stuff? Uh, no, no, I haven't. No, Tyson's Tyson's a great one. I think Tyson's actually more interesting than than anyone else because he's a guy who's been through like so many different situations, so many like such a complex person, a complex life. Um, but you know, it's like here's a guy talking about. I mean, very openly talking about situations where he feels like you know the person he was was you know i mean he's i don't exactly paraphrasing a lot but you know kind of like he was this killer he was this like you know absolute just unstoppable force and doesn't feel that anymore right and he's not that guy anymore and and misses it and feels you know probably some sense of like depression and i'm paraphrasing a lot but like it's a right during one of them i'm yeah i'm sure he's cried a few times but that was in in one of those the famous ones I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's like one of those things where you're like, wow, like you have to understand that there's, and this is, this is something I try to tell every athlete that I work with at some point, you know, that, that is pursuing this stuff on a high level, you know, like winning and those things have to come first. You have to focus on that. But at some point you, you have to start to, 
to try and form yourself as a person. And, and you have to understand there's other things in life outside of it. For people that are not at the elite level, people that are at the elite level, that's something that comes secondary to the sport, right? If you're, if you're training to, to, you know, become the best in, in, you know, whatever, you know, top lifter in Montana, like that's a different story than, you know, than living this way without moderation as like, I'm going to do this to the absolute best of my abilities to the, the, t- the highest level is the only acceptable outcome. Um, you know, those things like you're going to have this stuff later in your life where you have to make decisions and, and, and come to grips with what you've done and, and the decisions you make um, and, and, you know, where you're putting yourself and, and weightlifting is a different thing. Cause it's like, you know, I mean, I, I would say from the level, the level of in, intense seriousness that is in the scrutiny the rest of the world puts on you and the pressure and the it, it just doesn't exist no weightlifting like it does yeah. i mean you know it, the world you know the the greatest basketball player of all time um you know or at least the guy who's always in that debate uh probably has a little different amount of pressure on him than you know the best weightlifter of all time now what i like to think about is the pressure of beating others who are at the same level of talent or barely above your talent and what that takes. So I remember we brought this up with the interview with Michelle mm-hmm. and the difference between, so our, our thing, you know, is saying have low expectations, but incredibly high standards. In fact, the highest possible standard. Yeah. Um, because if you start to have high expectations, it begins with the word expect right? yeah. you're expecting before you act. Um, so the idea is to act with the best intentions, mm-hmm. with the best movements, with the best standards, and then uh, you will reap the benefits. But what I was trying to point out with a guy like Matt Fraser or, you know, any elite, like an elite elite, like the best of the best. Um, is that they have high expectations and high standards. And ultimately, that torments their brain. That torments their mind, right? They're, yeah, they're able, they, they put themselves down. They yeah. are nasty. They're selfish. They're arrogant. It's, it's <laughs> you know, like, seriously. He's talking to you, Matt Frazier, in case you're listening. No, 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 no. And um, maybe he, I... I I don't mean it like that. You know what I'm saying? Saying like, I mean it like, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. I think, I think it's, it's the dark side of it. Yeah. Right? I mean that, that, yeah, for sure. It's like, you have to, you have to grasp that. Like there's, there's the way things ought to be. And then there's the way things that, you know, the way things are. And it's easy for us to sort of believe that it's going to be, you know, that the people that do it are doing it, you know, doing whatever they are, achieving whatever they're achieving are, you know, good old fashioned you know, America, you know, lo- loving patriots that take their vitamins and, you know, and get a good night's sleep and they train hard and they're talented. But it's, we all know that that's, that's not the case. I mean, it's, it's a multitude of different things going on. And oftentimes people that are achieving greatness have, have a lot of things that are you would not consider wonderful qualities or, or great, uh, you know, great traits. I mean, something like a Steve Jobs, right? Or, or yeah, 
Yeah. People, you know, it's like, it's like, these are really ridiculous examples, but that's what we're talking about is the that's what I want to, yeah, I, mean, I want to talk about that. Like, you know, there's, there's, it, it just, I think, and this has probably been studied by many people. I don't know if there's answers to this, but yeah, there's those kind of traits. I think sometimes they lend themselves well to people doing well and being successful. Like I know there's a really high, uh, a high, uh, percentage of CEOs and successful business people that are that would score high on like a psychopath test, right? Because because those traits are probably beneficial mm-hmm. for running a giant company, right? Mm-hmm. If you're the kind of person who's too empathetic towards the individual, you might not make good decisions that allow a corporation to grow. Does it mean they're evil or bad? Like not necessarily. It's just these are the traits these people have. Yeah, and and this is where they're excelling. Um, and sure, there's definitely people that excel that are not like that. But I think it's, it's, you know, the case study is to see these people that are, you know, there's some intensity, there's some, uh, you know, there's some turmoil amongst some of these people at the top. I think you can be very like, again, it's that, it's that next level that I'm curious about. Yeah. Um, Things that like almost seem childish, like, like things like uh, complaining about something if it's just barely out of order, you know, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the idiom, the squeaky wheel gets the, the grease yeah. type of thing. I wonder if the absolute elite elite are always going to, they're, they're going to voice their opinion on something that they don't like immediately. Yeah, oh yeah. Probably. Like they're, they're going to say it right away, right well, then and there. That and could also be, that could really easily fall into the category of having high standards, right? If, if your standard is that everybody, you know, everybody does what they're supposed to do and they say what they're supposed to say. And, you know, if something deviates from that and you immediately call it out, you're, you're living up to your high standard. Yep. And then right. you, you have to follow through with absolute perfection. Then. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it's like, I think the nature of these sports, any sport that requires a high degree of technical perfection, right? And a yeah. high degree of skill or a high degree of strategy and tactics um, requires at the bare minimum, the ability to adhere to training. And that's not really even enough. It's going to require obsessiveness, right? All of top athletes have some degree of obsessiveness to them because you have to, you have to be obsessed with perfecting the details and improving and, you know, spending the extra little bit of time, you know, outworking your, your competitors, you know, this is what I'm wondering is like, is that completely true? Is there someone who just kind of, it's not going through the motions, right? But they're so talented and just so gifted as athletes, they can adapt, they can change. But they're not really obsessive, you know? And then there's that jump to Michael Jordan. It's like the guys like Scottie Pippen and then the jump to Michael Jordan. Yeah. You know, you know, like if, if prob- yeah. probably like a guy, you imagine a guy like Bo Jackson. I mean, when you talk about like talent, um, you know, he had a little bit. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's like, you, I, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's that it's a, it's, you have to have all of this or that it's, it's a combination of a lot of things that make somebody great and, and taking 
you know, taking notice of the fact that there's things that are psychological and things that are physiological. If you're talented enough, sure, you may not need to have that obsessiveness. Someone like Usain Bolt, his personality is very, seems very jovial and, and pretty upbeat, you know, um, very positive guy. E- extreme talent. I mean, something right. that we probably will not see the likes of for a long time. Uh, you know, is he the same degree of obsessiveness that Jordan was? That, yeah. It's that, hard to say, right? Like, I was actually wondering that so as well. So it's like a, a, a combo of things are necessary. Or, or really it's like, let's say the goalpost is, you know, the goalpost is, is 50 yards away. Uh, you know, talent equates for 20 of that, 20 of those yards for some people. For some, it equates to 40 of those yards obsessiveness makes up for you know the other 20 for someone it might make up for 10 for somebody right like everyone still has to cover the same ground to get to that extreme level but the recipe and the combo of things they have that gets them there may be different here's what i'm wondering is when we talk about genetics and like that's often what people talk about right is the genetics Mm -hmm. that they're given and their ability to first day in the gym power clean a ridiculous amount Right. Yeah. Um, what if you were to give someone with that Michael Jordan type of brain and then give them bad genetics, you know, like what could they do? That's this. The thing for me is like, what exactly does good or bad genetics mean? I mean, because there has to be that mental, you know, kind of intangible operational thing. It's probably right. impossible to know. I don't know. That question is so difficult to answer because it's impossible to know what that even means. Genetics is such a broad Here. like because we don't know. Like, is it is he genetically predisposed to think the way he does, or is that yes, that's yep nurturing? It's like it's so challenging. What I what I think is a more easily answered question, which may not be the actual question you're interested in, but like. For sure, people that are really talented, that have obviously great physical tools for sport, that don't live up to the their abilities, which oh, we that, can yeah. obviously see, yes, would be impacted more. You know, would would have a greater uh, success if they had a different mindset. We know that's obvious. So for sure, the opposite is probably true. If you gave somebody with the greatest mindset of all time just the absolute warrior with the worst genetics, they still, you know, Michael Jordan has the greatest mind in, you know, to say he's got the greatest attitude and, and, and mindset for sports. He probably wouldn't have made the best ever weightlifter, right? He would have been probably great at it. Yeah. But, but yeah, is he going to be like an Ilya Illin? I mean, he's, nope. he's a little bit too tall, I think. Um, yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, so you put, Actually, put him in a sport. He's not going to be a 100-meter world champion, right? Terry Frank, this is great because this was in, in the uh, – it was in the documentary. Terry Francona. Is it Terry mm-hmm. or Jerry? The, he's a big-time manager. He was manager of the Red Sox for a while. Uh, but he was the manager of the, the team that Michael Jordan was playing for. The, the baseball team. Mm-hmm. And he's like, if he had 1,500 more at-bats, which I think is how many games are in a season? Isn't it like something? 691. St- <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's something staggeringly high in baseball. I, I don't know the, the number of games, but it's really high, right? Um, 
I mean, sometimes they're doing like five games a week, yeah. but 50, so 1500 at bats, I don't know, 10 seasons, maybe less. Yeah. 10 years, Michael Jordan could be playing at the top level of baseball. Sure. So it'd be a starting nine, right? Yeah. That's first off, that's insanely impressive. Oh yeah. To, to have a, like, and this isn't, you know, this is a world series winning manager here and he's not bullshitting you. Yeah. But he just said getting into the league. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Hopefully by the time he's 36, Michael Jordan would get into the league. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Thir- yeah 36 or 35. So that, that lends itself more to the argument you were just making. He wouldn't make that great of a weightlifter, but he could make a pretty damn good one. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's impossible to know the answer, but, but you know, like I, I think, I think it would be safe to assume that the way of thing, maybe the, the worst, not a great example, cause it's still a really trainable sport, but you know, something, you know, hundred meters is probably great. Right. He, he may be really fast and he may be great at it, but is he going to be Usain Bolt? Right. It's tough. It's, it's, it's tough to say. And it's difficult because we see such a high level of success in one thing, but you know, it's a, it's, it's a, the, the, the point I'm making the analogy I'm trying to draw is that let's say you take the mindset and you have quote unquote bad genetics. Well, bad genetics just means to some degree you picked the wrong sport. Yep. Right. So would he be the best, uh, you know, uh, whatever beach volleyball player. I mean, probably pretty good. Like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff he'd be really great at, but there's definitely some stuff he wouldn't be suited well for. Is he going to yeah. be, you know, uh, uh, I mean, trying to think of other sports. He's going to be good no. at a lot of them, but like you get the yeah, point. There's right? like, yeah. I mean, I, I, I really Shot do put, think, I mean, there's like, you know, there's a lot of stuff where like, okay, he's going to do really well, but will he be the Michael Jordan of yeah five other kinds of sports? possibly maybe it is the mindset right maybe the mindset is such a just such an enormous factor that yes the answer to that question is yes but but to some degree maybe not so i think that genetics question is like well put him in a completely different scenario uh you know crossfit i think it's just so so difficult to assess the mindset if you have it or if you don't because you the only way to assess it as far as we can tell is if you're you've been winning <laughs> you know yeah we we it'd be hard for someone to be like listen i've got the best mindset ever but i just picked the wrong sport it's like oh well that's you deciding that yeah. right and no one else is saying that we how how are we going to decide you know if you have a good mindset or not yeah and it's tough you know because the reality is when you start to think about things like that in that perspective you start to see like, yeah, that, that mindset would probably take him extremely far in, in most anything. So maybe the real, the real thing. And I think kind of tying back to the beginning of this is that that mindset is so absolutely enormous in its potential to take you a certain distance. If we go back to that goalpost analogy, you know, genetics is, is let's say genetic makes up for the first 20 yards of you getting to the goalpost. Well, mindset is the one factor that isn't necessarily hard and fast quantifiable, like something like genetics. Genetics takes you 20 yards. It's never going to take you 21 because your genetics are not going to change. They're yep. just that. Mindset could be five yards. It could be 15. It could be 20. could be 40. So you, you could go the, even deeper into that, though, and say that only a portion of your mindset can possibly change, meaning that the genetic – 
makeup of your mindset is set in stone. Yeah, possibly. I mean, you know, that would be, we don't really know the answer Again, to that, yeah. but I think, I think we can assume that, that if we can it's change changeable. that, yeah, it's, you can it's, change it. Yeah. It's definitely more plastic than, than your genetics are. Yeah. Yeah. Although I don't know, aren't there things that now we can change our genetics, like certain new, new drugs? All I'm trying I know to get is, that femur surgery. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Where they cut them and they shorten them. Yeah. Cut them, shorten them. Telend is going to show up after this quarantine, going to have, you know, a little Lu Jun body going. Yeah. All of a sudden snatching 160 like the it's The problem nothing. is they, they can't do it to your arms. So your, your hands, your knuckles will be like right by your shoelaces, but your femurs are going to be like, you know, 15 inches long. <laughs> so how would that work yeah bro i got my squat up i got my squat up 300 keys and i can deadlift 420 but uh <laughs> damn getting that bar to my shoulders has become quite hard yeah because my hands it's all I have arm to have an arm bend off all of arm bend it goes from ground to shoulder it doesn't even touch your hips your arms are so long all right man well i think that's a good enough place to stop right there <laughs> yeah yeah I, I just, I'm tell fascinated us, by Tell us what you think. Tell us what you think in the comments. I'm actually curious. I'm curious what people think about, about all this stuff. Yeah, please. Actually, if you go to um, Training Make Podcast on YouTube, again, you can watch this and then you can also watch that clip. Here, you, should I play it again? Let me play it again. I love that clip, man. That's I good. really do. Um, there we go. There's the David Grohl one. Here we go. Playing it one more time. Been a tyrant. Well, that's you. Because you never wanted anything. I wanted to win, but I wanted them to win and be a part of that as well. I mean, like, it's so, it's so great. Actually, I do have a couple things I, I want to say because there's some comments here. Okay. Um, someone said it's called selfishness. Well, so basically I, I, I was like, you know, Michael was asked, uh, he, he was talking about his father's murder and he kept his composure. And then when he was asked about winning, he had to cut the interview. That's essentially what he did at the end, right? Like he yeah. started crying, had to cut the interview. Um, and I was saying, I'm like, imagine having winning mean that much to you, you know, uh, that, that you're, you're a slave to it and, and nothing else during that time really matters. Like you can say that it does, but it does not even come close to winning. And, and I was like, that's crazy. And then, so this person said it's called selfishness. And then there's something I want to point out about that to the person who thinks that it's selfish. All those people celebrating with him, you know, 
they're enjoying the ride to a certain extent, right? I mean, when he's, people are holding the trophy, people are holding it up, people are crying. You know, you can see he's getting hugs. He's, he made the organization. I, I, I replied here, I was like, is it selfish to win or want to win more than anything? And then the organization reaps the benefits of that. You know, he made, he made other people hundreds of millions of dollars and then he also made his team six-time yeah. champions. So it's interesting. What do you think? Do you think it's selfish? Do you think like... I mean, the, the, the question that needs to be asked that's more important is, is selfishness something that's bad? I mean, like the guy's, the guy's saying it's called selfishness. That is an accurate statement. Yes. But what yeah. is that? What is the implication? The implication is that being selfish is somehow wrong, and therefore, you know, he's, you know, in the wrong for doing it. I think the observation is yes, he's selfish. Is that the way that everybody should live? No, I mean that would make a very difficult society. So um, that's what, yeah. So that's the, what I'm, the reality is like ahead, yeah, sorry. yeah. I mean that's what we're talking about. Yeah, this guy was very selfish, amongst many other things. You know, and, and, you know, it's who knows the depth of, of any of the things that, that, uh, you know, have, have gone on in that, in that regard. I mean, outside of basketball, I mean, to say like, it's just, it's just one of those things where you're saying it to, to, you know, you must believe that selfishness is bad first before you can take that statement to mean that, you know, Michael Jordan is bad for being selfish. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I was trying to get into in the first place, right? You, yeah. you, you, were, you said that society can't really function with a bunch of selfish people. If everybody is. Right. I mean, of course. And, and I think that, you know, that would mean that there's no societal norm for winning. Because if there was, we wouldn't have a function, functional society. If everyone was acting in their own interest all the time, every, 24-7, regardless of outcome it, it it probably wouldn't make for a good society but there there has to be that there has to be that best there has to be the best right in order to have a spectrum yeah. in order for people to fall into the place that they fall into yeah i mean it's it's a i think the the, the key there with it all is is that there are certain attributes and certain behaviors that lend themselves to success Right. And, and that's obvious. We know that. And, and something like obsessiveness, selfishness, these things are, are probably part of that recipe, you know, and, and to see it and to show and, and be able to exemplify, uh, you know, this exact thing you're talking about in a clip like that is pretty cool to me because, you know, some people that may want to achieve great things that, you know, follow the podcast and these, you know, play in these sports, like, you can look at that as like, Hey, this is uh, you know, like this is a, <laughs> this is part of it. Maybe the, yeah. a, little, a little bit of this will help you, you know? Um, you know, so. I like, I like the term hyper winner, you know, it's like, like just hyper people, winning, hyper winning, turbo winning. Okay. That's it. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, we're going to try to get another guest on. Don't know who yet. But um, I had an idea. You got an idea? Yeah. Barack Obama. Well, Donald Trump. He hasn't. None of them have returned my messages. So. 
Oh, really? Uh, yeah, well, if it was a weekend. Maybe it's, I'll check. I'll check out. Okay. I've been, I'm always talking to The Rock mm. and, and Kevin Hart. You know, tag them all in every post I make. Yep. And they always respond. Everyone. Yep. All right. See you guys on the next one.